Sometimes that's what a good friend does is just stops and says, all right, look, I'll be there. I'm going to help you. What do you need me to do? What do you want from me? And that person may not know. That person may not know. That's where it's time for you to get on your knees and get on your face before the Lord and say, Lord, what is it I can give them? It might be just a little bit of time. It might be lunch. It might be a couple of verses out of the Bible. It might be a Bible. It might be a book. Who knows what it is? But instead, Jonathan knew David's heart was pointed in the right direction, and he just offered help. God gave us the gift of friendship. He never meant for us to do this journey on our own. The story of David would have looked much different if it weren't for his friendship with Jonathan. God placed them in each other's lives for a reason. He used Jonathan to encourage David when he needed him, and even to protect him when his very life was in danger. As Pastor Mark challenges us to ask in today's message, do we have any friends like that? Are we that kind of friend? It requires being sensitive to the feelings of others and aware of the quiet leading of the Holy Spirit as we walk through this life together. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20 with today's edition of Come Alive. Write that down, heavy laden. It's one Greek word that means, and it's just one Greek word. It's ours as it's two, but in Greek it's one. It means to pile up, to pile up. Things are stacking up. Have you got stuff piling up, things happening in business or at home, things happening in your personal life or at home? It's just piling up and you don't know what to do with it. So now you're not only sweating those things, but it, does seem, it doesn't seem like you're getting anything done because it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So you're working real hard and nothing's getting accomplished and you're like, I don't know who to turn to. I don't know what to do to get this all done. And Jesus says, hey, just, just come here. Just bring it here. And I can tell you this. This week, I was reading this verse, and I was thinking about what it meant and all the spiritual implications and going, I know I need to do this, but seriously, I'm going to lay it at your feet. I've got stuff that's still going to be there. I'm going to turn around, and all this stuff, the pile is still going to be there. And he said, just really seriously, just lay it at your feet. And it's one of the first times, I mean, not the first time, but one of the first times where I really doubted that this was going to be taken care of. Where I was just like, there's no way, there's no way. There's, in reality, I'm here, and, and I understand what this says. And if somebody came to me for counsel, I would probably tell them this. And, and he's like, I just want you to live it, because you're going to tell somebody this. And I was like, oh, Lord, but it's going to be there, it's still going to be there. And he's just like, seriously, just complain to me. And I'd fallen into that, oh, well, you know, I'm supposed to only give you praises. I'm supposed to be a mature Christian. I'm a pastor. And as I'm wrestling with the Lord, literally wrestling, right before I think he broke my hip, I said, all right, here. And I read the rest of that verse. And he wants to, and all he said is just, you know, so you're working real hard. You think nothing's getting accomplished, right, Mark? And, And you don't, I'm telling you, just come here seriously. Just lay it down. And he just wants to hang out and talk. And that's all I did is I just sat in my office with my door locked so my guys wouldn't think I was completely out of my mind. 
and sat and I talked and I complained. And I said, listen, man, I don't understand. I thought I heard you when you said do this and I did this and this whole thing blew up and this is going on and this is going on and I didn't understand when this is taking place. And then he just started showing me little bits and pieces. Remember when this, when, when this went away, I did that. So now that you're here, that you don't have to worry about that. I took that thing away so it's not so big over here. And I started seeing how like the whole thing started to fit together. And the pile, seriously, wasn't that big of a pile anymore. It was manageable. He just wanted to hang out. See, he's not too busy. I was the one that got too busy. And it's, it's the other way around. We're too busy. It's always, not right now, God, I got this. But he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am the gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That was early in the morning when I, when I was wrestling with the Lord. And then that night, I slept great. So tomorrow, maybe, you'll hear from God, and he'll say, hey, you know what? Come close. No, 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 really. I want you to come close. And you're just standing there. And he's like, no, 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 really, really, come close. Come here, come here, come here. It's tough. It's tough out there. And you're just like, you're going to hold your ground. That's the Lord telling you, come close, just come close. And how many will say, yeah, God, here I am. Yeah, God, here I am. I'm going to come close to you. And and if it's a real friendship between you and Jesus, you're going to respond. You're going to respond. It's okay. You can gripe. You can kick. I love my son, and he knows I love him. And when he has a bad time, sometimes I'm like, come here. And he's like, no. I'm like, come here, dude. And he's like, no. I'm like, come on, bro. Just come over here. Let me give you a little hug. No, Dad, I don't want a hug. I'm mad. I know you're mad. And eventually he'll walk over and I give him a big hug. And I'm like, do you know how much I love you? Yeah, but now I'm in trouble for disobeying. No, you're not in trouble. I understand. I'm just like you, Asa. I know, Dad. I know. I love you, buddy. And he smiles real big and he sits next to me. And I'm like, now, now go away. <laughs> you're in my chair, in my space. Go away. It was fun for a minute, but not, you're too big. But Jesus isn't like that. He doesn't just throw you away. He's like, hey, come to me. Respond. If you know him, you'll respond. Now, if it was one of your kids, they'd probably be like, come here. Come here, buddy. Like, I don't know that weird dude. Why does he want me? Mom and dad say scream and call the police when guys do that at the mall. Oh, no way. They're not going to respond. But if you know him and he knows you, you'll respond. All right, verse 2. Moving right along. So Jonathan said to him, by no means you shall die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great nor small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? So here they have this friendship relationship that allows him to challenge him on what he thinks is not true. So Jonathan's like, bro, it's not true. It's not true. The friend that you can pour out your heart to, well, are, are they the same kind of friend that can turn to you and say, grow up? Would you allow that friend to tell you? Hey, you just need to grow up because, yeah, you know what? The other day, that was a great complaint, and I was with you on it. But right now, you're just feeling sorry for yourself. So you're just going to need to to get it together, grow up, and move on. Do you have a friend like that? Are you willing to be that kind of a friend? And are you willing to have a friend like that? And so it, it isn't happening the way you think it is, maybe they're telling you. Maybe they're looking at it from a different perspective. And that's what's great about a friend. And they look at it at a whole different perspective to deal with it the way we should deal with it. And so Jonathan says, no, that's not what my dad's doing by no means. So Jonathan was both right and wrong, as we know, if you know this story. Saul was, was out to kill him. I mean, three spear throws and, oh, no, that's not my dad's intentions. And it's like, well, dude, he has a sure funny way of showing friendship. But 
he's wrong because David will die, but not by the hand of Saul. Later he will die. So we're told that every man is appointed a time to die, and God will call you when he's ready for you. And so we know that. You won't be able to prevent it, and God's plans are not thwarted. As long as we're walking with him, nothing will really derail us from God's plans as long as we're walking with him. So this assures that David... Or this assures David that Jonathan is still his loyal friend. He asks and says, hey, you know what? Here's the deal, bro. My dad's not after you, but, you know, he hasn't really bought into Saul's lies is what's going on. So Jonathan believed his dad. If you look back at verse 19 and and 6, chapter 19, verse 6, it says, So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. So Jonathan's kind of banking on this, saying, no, 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 my dad didn't want to kill you. I, I talked to him. He, he was cool. He, everything's all right, bro. But we see that things do change. So he, he says, why should my father hide this thing from me? It's not so. Apparently, David wondered why Jonathan didn't tell him about the attempt on his life at Naoth, if you think about it. Remember, Jonathan would know this. And so Saul had sent all these people. So Jonathan expresses astonishment that his father didn't tell him. He's kind of like, whoa, bro, wait, what? Seriously? He swore to me. And so he assures David of his heart towards him. He lets him know, hey, I'm, I'm still your friend. That's my dad. So why did Jonathan seem so slow to believe that his father wanted to kill David? Well, for Jonathan gave that credit back to that verse 6 in chapter 19. He gave credit to his dad in that chapter. And the worthiest minds are the least suspicious. So, you know, he wanted to believe his dad. All of us as children of our own parents, now that some of us are a little more grown up, know what to believe from our parents. But when you're little, you're willing to believe anything they tell you. And sometimes I I play these cruel jokes on my kids and they'll believe what I'm telling them. I'm like, hey, you got to be careful. I put an elephant in that closet, and, got, and Ellie is the worst. She'll be like, no, you're a liar, Dad. You're a liar. And you'll see her walk over to the closet, and she'll look real, because she believes me. I'm not supposed to be telling her stuff like that. And then when she opens it, you know, I'll have a big blanket, and it'll fall on her, and I'll scream elephant, and she kind of, her eyes get big, and she's like, told you there was no elephant in there. And I was like, but for a second, you believed. It was a joke. Verse 3. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. There's a step between you and death. David's saying, Hey, bro, I'm living on the border of eternity here. I'm I'm about to die. This reveals David's discouragement. And so he knows that Saul has attempted to kill him many times, and it seems that Saul's not going to quit until David's dead or gone. So David feels that his death is inevitable and that he is walking on a a, a pretty much a slippery plank over a a, a great canyon. And that's a pretty true statement. None of us, when you think about what it says here, is that, you know, there's just but a step between me and death. Nobody knows the day. Neither of us, none of us know. We should live our lives today as if it were our very last day, every single day. David makes this very true statement. Hey, I'm living on the edge of eternity. I don't know. Something can happen to each and every one of us today, and we can be called home. We can go home and and be up there with Uncle Bill. But whatever you yourself desire, I'll do it for you is what Jonathan says. And so Jonathan continues to reassure David, bringing encouragement to a discouraged man. Are you that kind of a person that when your friend is so discouraged and they continue to be discouraged that you can encourage them continually? Or do, are you just like, oh, man, bro, I can't talk to you anymore. I got to go. Click, 
I mean, sometimes there's a point in a time for that. But can you give them encouraging words from the Bible, from your quiet time, day by day, until this person is out of their blue funk or whatever they're in? And so Jonathan does this. His approach is to encourage David to offer to help him. And conceivably, he could have said, well, where's your faith, brother? Bro, where's your faith? Do you have any kind of a faith at all? Why aren't you just trusting God? But he doesn't. He encourages him and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to help you out. And sometimes that's what a good friend does is he stops and says, all right, look, I'll be there. I'm going to help you. What do you need me to do? What do you want from me? And that person may not know. That person may not know. That's where it's time for you to get on your knees and get on your face before the Lord and say, Lord, what is it I can give them? It might be just a little bit of time. It might be lunch. It might be a couple of verses out of the Bible. It might be a Bible. It might be a book. Who knows what it is? But instead, Jonathan knew David's heart was pointed in the right direction, and he just offered help. Do you have a friend that has their heart pointed in the right direction and sometimes goes through a tough time? And they may just need your help. And whatever it is, I don't know what it may be, but just maybe just a a lending a helping hand or some time in prayer with them. Look at verse 5. It says, And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. And if your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. And if he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there's iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, Far be it from you, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? And then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me? Or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. So just in case there were any snooping ears, they move out into the field. They take this conversation out there. And as a member of Saul's court, David would be, because remember, he got kind of promoted to being in the army after killing Goliath. So he's a member of Saul's court. He would be expected to be at this event. And so David says, if your father misses me, David asked Jonathan to observe Saul's reaction to to his absence, not being in that chair at that important feast that's held monthly for the high official's estate. And so apparently Saul hoped that David would be at the feast, expected that David, you know, expected him to be there. And David wondered how Saul would react to him not being there. So he's like, hey, Jonathan, just just check out your dad. Let me know what he looks like, what he's thinking, what's going through his mind. Let me know those things. And David would be at this, at, wouldn't be here. And so he wanted to know how this, how this is going to play out. Or would he, is he going to take the opportunity to kill me? I just, I just need to know. You know, David's one of those guys that just needs to know. So the new moon, and he says, The new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. Special sacrifices were commanded for that new moon um, feast. If you look at Numbers 28, I think it's, it starts in verse 11. I don't know where it goes to. But if there's iniquity in me, David says, and again, David seems somewhat shaken by the fact that Jonathan still, you know, I mean, sometimes there's those things that you and I just can't let go of, right? Your friend reassures you, that's not what I meant. And you're just like, yeah, but the fact is that you just didn't tell me this. It's kind of freaking, it's still on the back of my mind. And so David's kind of there at that point. He's like, hey, man, he's still kind of bothered by the fact that Jonathan didn't tell him about that attempted arrest at Naoth. 
You know, it's like, man, at least she could have warned me. At least she could have told me. And so he says, am I in the wrong here? Are you still behind me? And so essentially David says, if you're really working for your father and agree with him that I deserve to die, then why don't you just go ahead and kill me? If you really agree with your dad, just here I am, bro. Let's just let's end it all right here. But Jonathan assures him, no. So we, we all have to see this, see this from David's perspective in a way. And it's important for us to do that because he remembers that Jonathan's support for him is challenged by the fact that, well, his father is against David. And so David would probably understand that sometimes there are those blood ties that are a little thicker than water. And so here's this blood tie here. And, and, and so Jonathan, you know, and he remembers that Jonathan's support for him, again, is, is challenged in the fact that Jonathan is next in line for to be the king. So he's kind of got these things going on. It's like, man, Saul's trying to kill me. Jonathan might be real conniving and be just real friendly to try to get me to a point to kill me because, I mean, it, it is his spot that I'll be taking over. And so Jonathan truly wants God's will, but David's still a little suspicious, and sometimes that happens when we get to scary places. And so if you have a friend that's a little suspicious of your help, well, you know what? Don't worry. Try to look at it from their point of view. And, and sometimes when they're under stress, it's easy to get suspicious. It's easy to get suspicious. And, and I've been in that place where I've been suspicious of or under stress, and I've been suspicious of someone going, well, why would that dude ask that question? You know, it'd be somebody I don't even know. It's like, I bet they got that guy to watch me and follow. And then I start working this whole thing out, and, my, and I start wearing black and, and swinging from ropes and not walking on floors and just weird stuff. I mean, it really doesn't happen that way, but in my mind it does. So when you're under stress, it is. It's very easy to get suspicious. Far be it from you, Jonathan says. Jonathan gives him this encouragement. Tells David to put away his doubt. Put him away, bro. You're freaking out. Mellow. You know, just take a chill pill. Everything will be good. So Jonathan's loyalty seems good. And Jonathan senses that David is in a very vulnerable place in his life and in, in where he's at. And he wants to give him encouragement in the midst of that. All right, so let's look at verse 10. And then David said to Jonathan, who will tell me, or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, the Lord God of Israel is witness. Um, And when I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there's good, good toward David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety and the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. Now that's kind of a weird thing. Who will tell me? David now poses a practical problem. If Saul's determined evil against David and Jonathan intends to warn him, how's he going to do it? How are you going to warn me, bro? Tell, Tell me what the plan is. And so how will Jonathan get that message to David? So Jonathan vows to find out the state of his dad's heart. He says, I'm going to find out for you. And so Again, Jonathan knows that if his father Saul intends evil against David, it means that David must go away. David's got to pack up and, and leave, and so he would not be welcome again in the palace, and he's not going to be safe again at home. So he, couldn't, he just has to go into hiding, basically. And by giving David early warning of this, he would basically help David go in safety. And so the Lord will be with you as he has been with my father. Jonathan wants to give David more than a warning. He wants to give him encouragement again also. So you see this theme kind of encouragement, encouragement. David, even you must leave the palace and your home behind and flee as a fugitive. And the Lord will be with you. You can be sure of it is what he's basically saying to David. So we're almost, we almost think that Jonathan's being sarcastic when he says, as he has been with my father. 
because one might think that the Lord was really against Saul instead of for him. But if you think back when the Lord was for Saul, when, when the Lord was on Saul's side, Jonathan had enough wisdom in the Lord to know that the Lord was really for Saul because here's why. The Lord was still trying to lead Saul to repentance. You know, you and I might think, well, gosh, man, and, and, and that is, that's the way we think. It's like, man, the Lord's done with them. And sometimes that's the way we think. It's like, man, the Lord's done with you, bro. Look at your life. It's just horrible. But it may not be. The Lord may have put you in somebody's life to say, hey, have you thought about repenting? Is there something going on in your life? I mean, just recently, I had to go talk to somebody, and, and things were just looking rough. It seemed like every step this person took to make things right and to do better, it just got worse and worse and worse. And so I said, hey, can you come up to the church? I just have a couple of questions for you. And they came in, they sat in the office, and I said, hey, listen, let me ask you a question. Is there something you haven't repented of? Is there something going on in your life that's just, you're hiding? Uh, you can hide it from me, it doesn't matter, but maybe you and the Lord, you need to get something right. And they stopped and they looked and they started to deny it. And one denied it and the other one said, yeah, there is. And the other one said, yeah, there is. And I said, well, I don't need to know what it is. Why don't you guys just repent? Truly repent. And let's see some fruit of repentance in that and see what happens. And they did. And a couple of days later, they called and they said, hey, man, our quiet time's getting better. The Lord's really speaking and teaching. And life isn't perfect for them yet, but life is a lot better. And it's amazing what a little bit of repentance can do. Just in that spiritual relationship between David and Jonathan, sometimes David was stronger spiritually. And sometimes you need to be that person that's stronger. Maybe the Lord just says, hey, just ask this question. Uh, It was uncomfortable for me to ask this question to these people, but I had to because I cared and I care enough and it's because I I love them enough to say, hey, you know, here's what the Lord's maybe, maybe, maybe I could be wrong, but here's what the Lord I think has told me that you need to repent of something. I don't know what it is. So again, Jonathan was a little stronger at this point. Sometimes you will be the stronger one spiritually or maybe you'll have a friend that's stronger, but there's this bond in the Lord between these men that could not be broken. And hopefully you have a friendship like that. Look at verse 14. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So here we we see this cool little deal. To make a covenant means, if you think about what it really means in the Hebraic, it means to cut a covenant. To cut a covenant. So what you would do when you made a covenant back in these times, these two parties, they would divide an animal in half, stand between the animal carcass and state their commitment to each other. And basically in doing this, they were saying, I'm deadly serious about this promise I'm about to make or that I've made to you. I'm very serious. And if I don't follow through on my end of the bargain, then let me be as this animal that we're standing between. Let me be split open. Let me die. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. 
If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.